Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome back to In Doubt. My name is Daniel, and today I'm joined again by Aaron Ford. Uh, how are you doing, Aaron? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's good to have you back on the program. Last time you were here, we had a discussion on forgiveness, and uh, we we there are so many different ways we could have gone, and so it made sense to actually bring you back and talk about forgiveness again. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, as we talk about forgiveness. One of the big things that you had started with was um, you in your relationship with your father and having to forgive your dad for the years of mental and emotional and psychological abuse. For our audience um, who might not have heard the last time, could you please just explain a little bit about that story and what some of that abuse looked like? Yeah, sure. So um, my dad, his primary issue was that he was addicted to alcohol and he was a very like bitter and angry and controlling person. He also had some probably undiagnosed mental health issues. Yeah. So basically I grew up seeing him every other weekend and definitely through phone calls and in-person visits, a lot of, a lot of controlling, a lot of manipulation, a lot of intimidation and a lot of anger and yeah, just a lot of really inappropriate behavior. It kind of continued to get worse as I grew older and accumulated. When I was 16, he threatened to kill my family with a machine gun on a phone call. And that was like the final straw that ended the relationship with him for me. And then probably since then, I've been just been on a journey of healing and growth and learning and seeing the Lord do a lot of restoration in my own heart and my own life. Um, I haven't restored a relationship with him. So God's been helping me forgive him kind of on my own with the Lord, but not, um, there has not been a restored relationship with my dad. I haven't seen or talked to him kind of since then. What I've heard about my dad from others who have seen him or interacted, he has not changed. He's still the same and if or worse. And so, um, it doesn't feel like a very safe opportunity to like try to reach out to him or have a relationship. So I've chosen not to at this point. Yeah, so that's kind of the backstory of where I'm at and kind of how far I've come. So, can I ask when's the last time you, you saw him? Like the last time you were 16? Yeah, and I'm 29. So, okay. when I was 26, I was like, oh my gosh, that was 10 years. And my life, God did so many things in my life, like dramatically yeah. in the last, what is it now, 13 years? I'm terrible at math. So, it's been a long time, but it's interesting how the impact of those experiences like you carry with you in different ways. And so I've spent probably like life half of my life in counseling. I've been to regular counselors, I've been to Christian counselors, I've done biblical counseling, I've done trauma therapy. They've all been really helpful and useful. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. That's great. And I think oftentimes I think as Christians we can look down on counseling or look down on therapy. Because we'll say, oh, it's, you know, you should have strong enough faith to be able to get through stuff. But that's the biggest uh, lie from Satan. Yeah, I think that's just a really poor way of looking at it. This is, I mean, counseling, therapy, these are amazing tools that we can use. Um, I mean, it shouldn't shouldn't be the only thing, right? But it's like, 
wow, like why not be able to be able to share that and meet professionals to help you? Oh, totally. I mean, I did trauma therapy, not for a long time, but that has helped me tremendously when things come up that are triggering or, you know, stressful related to my childhood experiences so that I'm able to function well and not kind of go bananas when it happened. So that's, that's been really helpful as well. My personal belief is that, you know, all of that is part of common grace from the Lord that we can use that to find healing in so many different levels and ways. But, you know, just even regular counseling, so helpful. I think everyone should go see a counselor at least once in their Mm -hmm. lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. we all need help working through hard relationships, our own sin, um, different challenges. And so that's been a tremendous tool for me. So I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm pro counseling for sure. Totally. I appreciate that. And I want to continue because you, you've kind of prepared three different truths of forgiveness that you, you want to share with us. But before you do, I want to ask you that as you've written on this, if you've, as you've spoken on this, but what has been the most surprising thing you've encountered? And what's been the most frustrating thing you've encountered as you've spoken on forgiveness? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think surprising is how freeing it can be. Like, honestly, Mm. how freeing forgiveness can be when someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, even if you're totally unaware of what's happened, And taking it seriously and saying to that person, I forgive you, like those words hold so much power. You know, I think it's so important that when someone comes to us and asks for forgiveness, first of all, it's a huge step of faith on their part. They didn't have Mm -hmm. to. You know, if that's them coming and either confessing sin or seeking to reconcile or make things right between them and the Lord, it's really powerful. So I, I personally don't think that we should ever respond to somebody by saying, oh, it didn't matter. Don't worry about it. Or it's not a big deal because that's minimizing. And that's not forgiveness. Um, we don't want to ever minimize how someone feels or the impact of what they've done, even if we haven't felt it personally. So, But I think that when you say those words, I forgive you, it can be incredibly freeing, um, almost like this weight lifts off your shoulders. And I've experienced that in tons of different relationships. I mean, I'm in ministry. And I mean, ministry is full of conflict because you're just working with people and there's lots of sin. There's lots of personality differences. And so working through conflict, forgiving others has been freeing. And then maybe something that's been surprising is, I mean, how often you have to do it. You have to forgive people all the time. Like I'm newly married and there's tons of forgiveness that's involved every day when you hurt people, either intentionally or unintentionally. It's something that is just a part of our walk as humans, but also as Christians, especially. So it can grow exhausting when you're like, Oh, I have to do this again or whatever, but it's important. And it like the, like God just does so much in our hearts. Like when we enter that forgiveness process. Um, so yeah. What's the most frustrating side of that then? I think it's frustrating when a person doesn't want to forgive you. Like when they hold feelings Mm -hmm. of bitterness or resentment, or sometimes like they, it's called like emotional stonewalling where they kind of just like cut you out. I, I think that's really frustrating. You can't make someone forgive you. It's really um, out of your control. And so just as you kind of need to surrender, like when you've been hurt, you need to surrender that to the Lord. You also need to surrender the pain sometimes of that relational brokenness when that other person is having a hard time forgiving you, doesn't want to, or just can't restore the relationship. And that can be really painful. So that can be frustrating. Mm -hmm. 
definitely. Well, let's begin then with these uh, three truths of forgiveness. Hit us with that first one. First truth. So, I mean, these are three that I've come up with in my as I've walked my own journey. Um, I think ultimately when we forgive, it actually brings compassion for the person who has hurt us. And I think okay. compassion and empathy are so life-changing and so important to understanding who we are as people and, and even just giving a different lens on the person who has actually maybe potentially abused us or hurt us in some way. And so this is just a heart change that only the Spirit of God can do. As we walk forward in forgiveness, though, compassion really is a natural byproduct. So I think ultimately we need to forgive the specific actions that people have committed against us, which helps us separate their behavior from like who they are as people. So like I can forgive my dad's actions of like things he said or things he's done. I'm not forgiving like his identity as a person. Like he was created in the image of God. He is broken and sinful I don't need to forgive that, but I need to forgive like the words he said or the things that he's done. And that's really helped me understand like, yeah, he's a deeply broken person, but he's also created in God's image as am I. And I'm also deeply broken. And so I think that that helps me have compassion towards him and see him in a different lens instead of just viewing myself as only the victim and him as like the abuser, because I'm not always the victim. I'm not always the victim in every situation and every relationship. I've also done things that have hurt others. And so that helps me have compassion. And ultimately they need to turn to the Lord in repentance and receive that full washing and renewal and cleansing because of Jesus blood shed on the cross for them. I can't offer what the cross offers, but me forgiving others can demonstrate God's grace and point them towards the father. So I, I just feel like the compassion part is so powerful because it gives us a new lens on the situation sometimes and helps us just view them differently, which can ultimately change how we feel as well. Totally. I, and I would add that it, uh, it brings a humility to the situation too, because you're forced to realize that, oh, wow. Like, like as I've studied, as I've gotten um, more acquainted, you know, with reformed theology and this under- understanding that like all of humanity is broken, all that, all of humanity is depraved. You begin to realize that like, man, the sin that this person committed against me, no wonder they did this. We live in a broken world. And I'm just as, as equally guilty of doing things like that at different times in different ways, sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller. And I think my, my point here is we shouldn't be surprised. And I think, you know, taking the golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated. I think kind of that compassion piece is, listen, when I screw up, when I'm going to need to go to someone for forgiveness, I want them to extend forgiveness to me in the same way that I would hope, like I I should be doing that to them as I would hope that they would be extending forgiveness to me. Understanding that like as a baseline, we're all broken. We're all trying to do our best. And it's only through the grace of Christ that we're able to, to even do any sort of forgiving and, and make good and, and meaning and purpose to our lives, right? Like, it, and, and we forget the goodness of God at times. What's good though, is that even with compassion and empathy, there's still that tension and space for like those hurt feelings. Like it doesn't minimize yeah. the fact that those hurt feelings are still there. It's a reality. And sometimes that relationship maybe needs some space for a while. Like 
I mean, my dad's story was he was actually adopted as a baby. He was abandoned from his birth mother and he was adopted. And mm-hmm. his whole life, he had this view of himself that he was unwanted. And and it totally shaped like his identity formation and who, who he became as an adult. And it doesn't minimize what he did. It doesn't make it okay. But it helps me understand like he was tormented and troubled years before. Okay. I mean, he still had choices. He still made t- terrible choices. But um, really, apart from the grace of God, there's a good chance that I could have made similar choices, you know, in the relationships that I'm in now. It's, we see these patterns and families just repeat and repeat. And, and I think what's so powerful about the gospel is that it can actually break those patterns and start new legacies. Anyway, so yeah, the compassion piece is super important. So I would say that when we forgive, it actually helps us feel compassionate, empathetic towards those who have hurt us which um, is really transforming. And that's evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, which is encouraging. We can celebrate that. Like, this is hard, but hey, the Holy Spirit is present at work and God has not abandoned me. I think that second part of forgiveness that is really foundational for me is that we can actually forgive without being restored on earth, but also with the hope that God will restore all things in eternity. So, I mean, especially with, conflict um, or brokenness between two believers on earth, like, okay, you may never be best friends or you may never work well together or that relationship might need space for a really long time. But hey, we know that in eternity, like we're going to be fully united in Christ, in heaven. There's not going to be any sin. There's not going to be any brokenness, no tears. um, And we will be restored. And I think there's a lot to celebrate and feel hopeful about. Um, And also just believing that like, you can also forgive people even when they haven't asked for it. So like in my experience with my dad, he never asked for forgiveness. He would probably never admit that anything that he did was wrong. I think that that's powerful too, because forgiveness then for me is really something between me and the Lord. It's really about my heart. When I don't forgive others, it doesn't really impact the other person. It just kind of ruins me. Like the anger that I carry, the bitterness that I carry kind of ruins my own heart. And so I think it's, it's, it's actually like a freeing thing that forgiveness doesn't equal relational restoration. Cause well, often we think of forgiveness, it's like, Oh, I have to like be friends with that person again, or I have to like talk to them or yeah. their family member. And Oh my gosh, we like have to like spend Christmas together. Well, you don't actually, <laughs> and you can have boundaries there that can actually help you. But forgiveness is very different. We're extending grace to the person that's harmed us. And it's grace because we extend forgiveness if they deserve it or not even if they don't yeah. deserve it. Yeah. And the way I try and think about it too is I hope that I will be able to forgive someone so that, Hey, when I see them at church, even if it's a short conversation, we, we know, Hey, things are good between us. Even if we're not, you know, friends anymore, best friends are like not really integrated in each other's lives. You know, it's, it's like, Hey, we're still brothers and sisters <laughs> in Christ. And that, and that's part of our story. And that's part of, uh, you know, some of that history, but yeah, like, I was going to say acknowledgement is so powerful. So when you've gone through, you've had conflict resolution or you've extended forgiveness. And even if that relationship isn't restored, I've had that experience where, you know, someone forgave me or whatever. I forgave them. Like it was back and forth really, but I saw them at an event and they, you know, looked me in the eye, said, hi, were nice to me, acknowledged me. And Cause you know, you kind of, kind of feel like shame or like you feel uncomfortable and awkward, like, yeah. Oh, cringy. I don't want to like see that person. Cause we had this conflict or this past pain. 
but acknowledging someone I think is a demonstration that you actually have forgiven them because it's like, Oh, I'm going to treat you with respect. I'm going to like say, hi, I'm not going to make you feel uncomfortable in my presence, but that doesn't mean we have to be best friends and you know, we're not going to go to each other's houses, but Mm -hmm. that piece is an acknowledgement piece is really important. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible to forgive without restoration because that restoration really is that relationship is being brought back or restored to what it was like before that sin was committed. And, you know, in, in relationships, full restoration is totally possible, but it's not always possible or wise. You know, some, like with my dad, he has not shown any signs of change or life change or whatever. So it's like, why would I go back to that? Um, to be treated, you know, the way that he was treating me was like so unhealthy and harmful. So but yeah, I think that it's possible to forgive without restoration. I think it's important to it's it's commanded in scripture where God actually says that we must forgive others. And I think for God, he's so different from us that when he forgives us, that relationship is restored. Like that forgiveness and restoration kind of go together. But mm-hmm. for humans, it's not always possible, but in eternity it will be like that. So, yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah. Well, and and the act of forgiveness is the beginning pieces of what will be in heaven. Like what I mean by that is in heaven, all of the relationships will be restored. Everything's going to be the new heavens, new creation. And by us extending, accepting forgiveness in this life is actually displaying the gospel, not in a full form, but in a, you know, even in a small way, it's, it's displaying uh, the gospel in that way. Um, what, what would you say is the third um, piece of forgiveness, the third truth? Yeah, I, this is my favorite. Only the cross brings healing for the abused. I think the cross is hope for both the abuser and the abused. Often when we think of the cross, we think that, well, I come to the cross to be forgiven from the sin that I've committed against God and others. That is fully true. We see that everywhere in scripture. But also, we also come to the cross to be healed from the sin committed Mm -hmm. against us. Um, So there's kind of two parts. There's a forgiveness piece from the Lord where we are restored in relationship to him because of our sin. But then also we are healed from the pain and the hurt that we have taken on from other sin. And so first Peter chapter two, he's talking about suffering unjustly. And so how Christ leaves an example so that we can follow in his footsteps. And so it says in verses 21 to 24, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting him, himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That last sentence, by his wounds you have been healed. It is so powerful. Like only by Jesus's wounds on the cross can I be healed fully, both from the sin that I've committed and the sin committed unjustly against me. And I love how Jesus, it says that Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's God the Father. God the Father is the one that judges perfectly justly. He's the one that enacts vengeance. He entrusted himself. He surrendered himself even when he was suffering unjust abuse and harm, he entrusted himself to the Lord. And ultimately like by Jesus's wounds alone, we can be healed. And so um, 
the cross brings healing for both the abuser and the abused. And it is so, so hopeful. It doesn't mean that we have to seek out unjust suffering. Like we don't need to willingly place ourselves in the path of hurt just so that we can be called a gracious thing. But when we suffer unjustly, Peter invites us to follow Jesus's example on the cross, which is hard and humbling. Like it's not easy but it's also a beautiful thing and that God promises to restore all things in eternity. He gives us totally. healing on earth and also in eternity and we can entrust it all to him. And I just love that. Well, and just to add one piece onto that is literally as he's suffering on the cross, he's forgiving his enemies. Like on the cross, Jesus says, father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Like you don't see a better picture of what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, compassion, grace. You don't see a better view of, or a picture of what it what it means to forgive someone than Christ dying, being murdered on the cross and forgiving his murderers. That is a powerful piece. Aaron, so I just wanted to ask you uh, a couple of things about how you've experienced God's love uh, through your story and through your life. And just if you could explain, I have a couple of words here and I want you to just kind of how have you experienced God's love and, you know, how has God demonstrated his love through his kindness, his justice, his wrath, and his mercy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, God has been so kind to me, I would say, um, providing like the church. I, I grew up with a horribly broken father who was not able to love me as he should have and treated me horribly. However, God has provided so many father figures over the years in my life. And I think that the church can provide such like, just there's so much grace. Like when we don't have the kind of family that we really should, like God through his people, like can provide those relationships in other ways. Like that's just God's kindness to me. I'm so thankful for that. His justice. I mean, obviously Jesus dying on the cross on my behalf is justice in that. Mm -hmm. I should have to pay the consequences for my own sin, but Jesus paid for them instead. So that's huge. But also seeking to pursue justice on earth in speaking up, using my voice, like speaking out when something's not right, putting boundaries, like saying, no, you you actually can't treat me that way. Like that's inappropriate. There's a tension there between using our voice, but then also sometimes entrusting things to the Lord and letting him fight for you on your behalf. That's been a theme for me this summer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But also like God's wrath, like that his wrath is perfectly met through Jesus on the cross. I don't need to fear his wrath. Um, Also feel humbled that God's wrath is a real thing um, that can be enacted on others. That makes me want to actually share my faith with others and help them know God too. I don't Mm -hmm. want anybody to be the subject of God's wrath except for Satan and demons, really. I mean, they're fully evil and will be, I know they will be destroyed one day. I think mercy, um, I would say there have been lots of broken relationships in my life because of me, like because of how I treated others when I was younger, acting out, bullying, you know, intimidation. Mm -hmm. And I would say that God was really merciful with me in helping me know him, discover him, follow him when, because of my actions, like I deserved so much worse that he really provided in a way that I never imagined. Like I 
yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful. Like I'm, I get to serve him in ministry. I'm newly married. You know, God has really blessed me. He's also brought a lot of healing and restoration in my family in other ways, like apart from my dad. So I'm just really thankful for that. And uh, I never thought that would actually happen, by the way, but that's been a huge miracle in my family in the last few years. So I'm super thankful. So yeah, I would say I've seen God kind of demonstrate his love in those different ways. Totally. I'll throw another theological one at you. But uh, God's aseity, like the idea that God alone is self-sustaining, self-existent. Like for me, I, I can't comprehend that. And it that to me, like we've talked about giving all things to God, um, that we, we release everything to him. He doesn't need anything from us. He is perfectly complete and he's always been there. He always will be. And for me, I mean, I'd love to hear what you think, but it brings a lot of peace that like he's seen it all and my calamities I can still bring to him. And it's, it's nothing new. Totally. I, I mean, that reminds me of like God's sovereignty, which is related, but God always being in control. I mean, I sometimes like I, I can feel like frustrated with God, like, oh, why did you let this really hard thing happen? Like, I just don't understand. And that's normal to feel that way. But I think of like Job, and I think of Joseph. The story of Joseph is probably one of my favorite in the Bible. I love the end of Genesis where Joseph says, you know, you, you intended, like you did these things with intention for harm, but God used it for good. When I think of God, self-sustaining, self-existence, he's always being, you know, he's fully in control. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what's happened in the past. And he works all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, It doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt and it's not hard. But um, yeah, the fact that he is just so much bigger than I can comprehend, I just have no idea how he's using these things. And ultimately, like, what I love is, um, I also love, I think it's Second Corinthians um, at the beginning where Paul says that we are to comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. And ultimately, this is an opportunity to receive comfort from God and also comfort others from what God has given us. And so um, he's fully in control. We can trust all things to him and he is worth following. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the program and we look forward to you know having you back again yeah thank you thanks again bye well thanks again for tuning in and listening to this part two discussion that we've done with aaron ford again if you want to find any more of her resources it's at her website which is aaronwrites.ca and that spelling is e-r-i-n writes.ca She has a lot of different writing, lots of different articles, including writing for the Gospel Coalition Canada, uh, which is really great. So we want you to take advantage of that as well. And uh, just a reminder to tune in next week as Isaac and I talk with Kara Baldwin about life and COVID-19. See you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi, Ben Lowell, CEO of Back to the Bible Canada's In Doubt. 
You know, every week our aim is to engage young people in a conversation around matters of life and faith and culture. Most recently, our hosts Daniel and Isaac have met with Christian pastors and leaders to discuss biblical insights on sex, a conversation about the importance of human rights, and the growing dark impression pornography is making on individual lives and our society at large. These are conversations critical for young Christian adults to be involved in. For current programs or to listen in on past programs, head to indoubt.ca in Canada and indoubt.com in the U.S. And for expanded programs, sign up for the Indoubt podcast.